Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Welcome back, guys, to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes. Today, I have a special guest, Dante Wilburn. He is the owner of Premier De- Detailing and Wash. He has two locations, and he's also the owner of Lafayette Legacy Courts. Dante, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? It's so good to be here. Yes, and uh, I have known Dante for a while. We, I actually met Dante when I was in college. So when I was at Purdue University, I joined the church with my then boyfriend, Jermaine, who is now my <laughs> husband, and uh, we got connected. I uh, was doing a ministry called the Drama Ministry, where we did dramatizations of biblical stories, and Dante participated in one of the plays, and actually he had a main role in one of the plays that we did, which is super cool. And from that, um, husband and I got married. Uh, Dante and his wife, um, who were engaged at the time, actually read some poetry in our wedding. And then about a year later, they got married. So That's we have right. known each other. We've had, we both have kids now. So I've known Dante for a long time. So I was not surprised when I was online one day and I heard that he had been named the Indiana Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm um, right. not surprised about that at all. But I thought it would be important to get him onto the show because uh, Dante has a very interesting life, a very interesting story. Um, and he's very passionate about kids, education, and youth and being a role model. So, Dante, let's get into it. How do you well, find we can't, we can't, we can't, We can't say, we can't start this without me saying those were some amazing drama ministry plays. <laughs> Shante used to rock it. And so we actually... Uh, for the audience out there, we actually, me and my wife took over the drama ministry um, as Shantae went back to Indianapolis and different things. And it was so fun following your footsteps, uh, leading the drama ministry and making plays behind you. So she used to put me in these plays and I used to have to act and she'd have to tell me, nope, nope, do it again. And that was so much fun. So yeah, we have been together a long time, but I had to give you that shout out before we get started. (laughs) Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, now let's get into it. So how did you find yourself on the path to entrepreneurship? Oh, great question. So my story is a little different, right? Um, I just basically grew where I was planted. Um, at a young age, I got in trouble um, while I was at Purdue University. And um, through this trouble that I got in, I just was hired at an auto detailing shop. And so when I started working in the auto detailing industry, I just did not like how uh, everything was going. Um, The employees were paid minimum wage. They were asked to do very, very hard work. I mean, it's a job where you're sweating all day. Um, You go home filthy. Um, When you clean the cars, you're blowing stuff and it's splashing all up in your face. I mean, you're taking out diapers out of uh, minivans and all of this hard, hard work. I mean, people were extremely happy, but they were paid $7.25. And so I seen, you know, the employees struggling. And then on the other side, uh, customers would come in and buy their, and bring in their cars and they'd pick them up. And I'll never forget one uh, employee stole out of the vehicle, right? And, um, after he stole out of the vehicle, I went to him. I was just an employee myself. And I said, well, why did you why did you take out of that vehicle? And he says, well, I don't make anything here. So they got it. and I don't. And I never forgot how that customer looked when they came in the front office having something stolen out of their vehicle. And I'll never forget how when I look at that employee saying, hey, I make nothing. And I seen two sides. It was both people hurting. It was like the employees are hurting. And then the customers are hurting. And so I was complaining, Shante. I ain't gonna lie, I was complaining. And at that time, I had just started going to church with you um, at Second Baptist. I was trying to change my life over. And I heard a small, still voice say, if you don't like it, do something about it. And I was like, huh, if I don't, like, you know you how you complain. And 
if I don't like it, do something about it. So um, that's what I mean by I grew where I was planted. Um, I was planted in that detail company making minimum wage and I didn't like what I seen. So I chose to do something about it, end up buying the company um, and just doing some amazing things. So that's that's how my entrepreneur uh, lifestyle got started. Well, I really appreciate that background about, you know, if you don't like something, do something about it. Because when people have asked me about how did I get into entrepreneurship, um, there were just things I've seen in the education world that I didn't like. And then also when it comes to entrepreneurship, you have to solve a problem. So if there's problems mm-hmm. out there and you can offer a solution to make it better, uh, then you just got to go do the thing. Well, there's like so many aspects um, to entrepreneurship. So could you talk a little bit about uh, what type of barriers or roadblocks got in the way? I know you just mentioned that you ended up purchasing um, the company. So what were even the steps that it took you to get to a position from being an employee at the company to purchasing the company? And now you're the owner. And what does that look like trying to run a company? Because that's really different than being an employee than like being in charge of everything. Yeah, let me... um... I guess let me go back to the first question that will lead into the second question of roadblocks. So I like what you said, solve a problem, right? That's, that's the whole idea. And so um, one of the problems that that launched me into entrepreneurship is I wanted to solve the problem in the auto detailing community of the lack of vertical mobility. Okay. So, so here I am, I'm at Purdue university and I'm cleaning cars, um, but because of the trouble that I got in, um, I'm also going through a court case. So that's, this, is, this is my whole dilemma at the time. So my mind is all over the place. And I'm looking around and the detail company literally had a manager and then it had employees. That was it. There was like if I wanted to, to go up in this company, I would have to leave it to go up. And I said, man. So I started looking around at all the detail companies around and I found that there's a lot of mom and pop shops, right? Where it's, it's simply the manager and then the employee. So the problem that I really wanted to solve was the lack of having a complex organizational structure. Okay, so I I wanted someone that started cleaning cars to be able to leave. So so if you look at my organizational structure, I don't have it around me right now. I wish I did. Um, But but, you know, you start from the ground level and auto detailing. Then you move up to a team lead, then which is an inspector. Um, Then you can move up to the manager um, and then you can move up to a general manager. And then as we have multiple locations, you move up to a regional manager. And um, my end goal is to have part owners in the auto detail company. So you can go from the bottom just like me and go all the way up to um, being a part owner in the company. So so that was the main problem that that I looked to solve. So so here I am uh, cleaning cars, um, got this grand vision and. I did not know what to do with it. You know, I did not know what to do with it. So uh, the amazing thing of life is, is now I'm transitioning to the roadblocks question is how to get through roadblocks. And I'm trying to teach all my young, um, inspiring entrepreneurs. Okay. (laughs) So listen to this very clearly. How to get through roadblocks is you have to actually become worth more to the company than you get paid. Okay. Mm. Shantae, this is very difficult for people to understand. Okay. So I'm going to break it down for you. So as a $7 and 25 cents an hour employee, if you want to move up, you have to do things that a person that would be getting paid $15 an hour would be doing. So you, so you come in, you stay over, you, you, you take on whatever, but you're not making what you're worth. Okay. So, but this is how, this is how life works. 
you go, if you become and do the work of a $15 an hour, $15 an hour employee while you're making $7.25, I guarantee you in life, you will catch up to it. But then once you get to $15 an hour, you have to be doing what a $25 an hour employee would be doing, and then it catches up to you. So um, that's how I literally broke through every roadblock. I, as an employee, gave my all, my all, so that a manager that's over me was like, man, this dude is he's coming in early. He's staying late. He's not asking for any more. Like, shoot, man, do you want to be the manager? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll take the manager's position. How much do I get paid? $10 an hour. Okay, I'll take it, <laughs> right? So so I took the $10 an hour position, um, still not having the money to be able to do anything. Um, but, you know, what happened in 2008, do you remember 2008, Shantae? I do remember 2008. Yeah. So for all of those that, that remember 2008, um, I was at an auto detailing company called Squeaky Clean and they closed it down um, and they moved us into a dealership just to clean their vehicles. And that happened in 2008 because the market went crazy. You remember, remember uh, cash workers came out? You remember that cash yes. company, you could trade in your vehicle that's a clunker and get like a new vehicle and the government backed it. And what it was trying to do was stimulate um, the auto, the, 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 uh, the dealership industry, um, the, the car sales industry, because it had tanked. And anyone knows that when you clean cars, that's your main resource of revenue is cleaning these cars for these different dealerships. So, so when it shut down, um, they didn't have, you know, they, they got rid of the company and they just wanted five employees to, to clean their cars. And lo and behold, when it shut down, they asked me to run their cleanup department with five employees. And, and that's where it started. And <laughs> I'm laughing as I'm saying this, right? Um, and so I'm running this detailing company with five employees inside of a dealership. And I had this big epiphany of how I can create this grand auto detailing company. So um, without anybody's permission, without knowing the, the owner of the company, I started soliciting retail. Now, remember, you, you, you go be more valuable than what you're getting paid. So I'm not getting paid to do this. Like He's just literally paying me to clean his cars. That's all. I had this grand vision in the back of this little cleanup company. I started soliciting for customers and I started having customers. I made a website. Customers started coming. We started detailing their cars. I would turn the money into the company and he came back to me. It was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, I thought he was going to fire me. God, <laughs> the truth. I, I thought he was going to fire me. And he says, you need to meet with me in my office. This is the owner of eight different dealerships came to this little cleanup kid and saying, come to my office. And I'm literally thinking I'm about to get fired. And um, he took me in there and said, you want to become something greater, don't you? I said, well, yes, I want to become something greater. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you your shot. I want you to go to the to the detail spot where I closed down the, and open it back up and I wanna see what you can do. And he basically wrote me a blank check to open up the detail company the right way. And so um, once he came down and seen how much, so, so for three months, for three months straight, Shantae, I uh, built this detail company. I worked during the day cleaning cars. And afterwards I would go down there with my own hands. Me and my father built this detail company. And when he came down, remember I wasn't getting paid to do this. He was still just paying me to clean cars. Now he's having me open up this detail company. He's not paying me to do it. But when he came down, the day I opened it, it was no, uh, November 1st, 2011. So Shantae, you track with me. That's 11, 1, 11. 
So I always tell people we're truly number one, right? So, <laughs> so, so we open up and he comes down and he sits and says, man, how did you make such a nice facility with, with, not an, with, with a lack of money? He, he said, I wrote the check of, I know how much we paid to make this and this looks way better than what I paid. Dante, can you hear us? Just give us a brief moment for having a little bit of technical difficulties. Well, as Dante is taking a moment to return to our show with those brief technical difficulties, I would like to point out that I really love how he's building the story to say that in entrepreneurship, you do have to do a little bit more um, to get to the point that you can kind of go off and start your own. Um, even in my role in education, I've taken the time to do things that weren't part of my job description, taking the time to come up with initiatives, come up with plans. And um, recently I wrote about being an entrepreneur. Um, and one of the things I said is, is that you have to be really damn good at your job um, and you have to be a leader like uh, because a leader is a person that takes initiatives. They go out and they do things um, and they make it happen. And then when you continually do that, there will be people that will work with you because I know on one hand, people talk a little bit about the fact that um, if um, I'm doing all this work, well, maybe they'll just take advantage of me and never pay me more or never give me opportunities. And yes, there are people in life uh, that do do that. However, there are a lot of people who want to work with people who have that similar mindset. I've found in entrepreneurship, I've connected to so many other different entrepreneurs who are trying to solve problems and they have that go, um, they're go-getters and they want to work with other like-minded people who won't just see a problem and be like, I'm going to collect my check and go home, but who's like, I'm going to collect my check and go home, but also see if we can solve this problem and make things differently. Because I don't, do the work I do. And I know Dante will say the same when he comes back. He doesn't do the work um, for accolades or to be like, oh, I have this business and oh, I'm doing this. You do it because you have a heart of service and you want to solve problems and you want to help people in your community. And it's really, really important to kind of have that mindset of service because when you're rooted and grounded in service, you out of it. Uh, when you're focused on me and yourself and making yourself bigger, you may indeed get bigger. There's a lot of billionaires and millionaires who have a lot of money, but they're not nice people. They don't care about people. They're not worried about building people up, as Dante talked about um, when he started working for $7.25. There was just the workers and the boss. So there wasn't any opportunity uh, for vertical uh, mobility. And when there's no opportunity for vertical mobility, it makes you feel like you're replaceable. Like I need to get someone else off the street if you don't do what I want or do it how I am doing it. But when you um, create a structure where people feel valued, they feel seen, and then they'll uh, work for you uh, 100% and actually 125% if um, if they can. Uh, so, so those are some of the things that I really, really, really wanted um, to hone in uh, with today when I was asking Dante about the roadblocks and barriers, because there's no entrepreneur that has done work where it's just been them by themselves uh, alone uh, without um, doing what is necessary. Um, and that that's um, where it's been easy and it hasn't been uh, something that's tough or that's been a struggle. Uh, there's always some type of barrier. There's, uh, there's always something you may have to learn how to do because when you are the boss, when you're the top person at the company, every single service, every single structure you create. So when Dante said he made a, a structure for um, vertical mobility, he had to create that structure. He had to create what those roles were, what those roles do. How does a person move from one role up to the next role? Um, in any business, if you're having your own business, you have to figure out what are your contracts are? How are your contracts paid? How do um, how do you do your invoicing? 
Uh, how do you respond to customers? Um, is, how is your website hosted? Who is on your website? What's part of your website? What are your business hours? What are things that your company is going to service and going to do? And what are some things that you're not going to do? Um, where are other companies you can partner with? Because you can't do everything, right? So maybe there's a company that's in the same field or organization that you can partner with. So if someone comes to you and they're looking for something, um, they can uh, do that. All right. All right. <laughs> we are back. Um, Dante had a little technical difficulties on his end, but he was able to switch it up and get back. Um, the last thing that we were talking about, Dante, before you um, froze on us on the screen uh, was I was asking you, you were talking about um, the roadblocks and how you were uh, making the structure for mobility in uh, your company. So I'll let you yes. take yes. what we're you're back. saying. We're back. <laughs> All right. So, so where I left off um, was I was talking about you have to, how I got through roadblocks and the roadblocks was I did not have the money to start my own business. Okay. I didn't have the money to start my own business. I didn't know where to begin. I knew that I liked the industry that I was in, but I did not know what to do next. So I just grew where I was planting. Like I said, my roadblock was I didn't know how to start and I didn't have the money. So I grew where I was planted. So I ended up becoming more valuable in the company, moving up, becoming the manager and different things. And then you guys hear the story of where I got to this point where the owner of these dealerships came to me and says, hey, I will fund you, you know, opening up this detail company down here. And when I did it, um, he didn't ask me to do it. He just told me to open it. And I personally did all the work with me and my father and saved him tons of money. And when he came down, he says to me, you know, how did you do this for this lack of resources? And I told him I did it all myself with my father and a guy named Doug Brovon. And he says, wow. He says, what I'm gonna do for you, he says, I am gonna let you buy this whole company from me. And I never forget, uh, he brought me down to his office. I'm in tears, I'm crying. Um, and I was in tears crying, not because of the opportunity, but because of that small, still voice that spoke to me and said that if you don't like it, change it. And they gave me this grand vision was real, right? Like, like I realized it was actually real. So, um, I'm in tears and he says that you can buy it. Um, and then, so for the next three, four years, um, still didn't have the money to buy it. So um, what I did was, here's my big barrier. Uh, I opened a window tent company to tent windows in 2016 with a credit card for $2,000, taught myself how to tent windows. I paid for a trainer to come teach me how to tent windows and I used that revenue from tinting windows to uh, end up buying the company. And so, um, so now that, that's, that's kind of my long story of my big barrier of not knowing where to start and not having the resources and just, um, I guess, Shantae, I would call it sweat equity, right? Like I just worked really, really hard until the opportunity manifested itself. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, when I, I went and actually read several articles about you, well, first of all, I read them, even if I never had you on my show, I read them because I know you. So, And when I was reading a lot of the articles about you, I came across uh, your model of see, shift, and sustain. So can you tell us a little bit about this model that you have been uh, living by? Yes. So um, this, this model is basically uh, is three factors. Um, of, of of how change happens, and so um, if, if so, for the re for the listeners, for the viewers, um, it would be nice if in the future that you can put something up of my YouTube uh, video of how my life changed. So if they watch that, they'll kind of understand the depths of um, 
where I came from. I was I was selling drugs. Um, my friend ended up getting shot multiple times. I was set up to be killed. My whole life was turned upside down. As I was going to Purdue, all of this was happening. And I ended up getting in this detail company. And then this is how we got all to this place that we're at now. So, so someone that wants to really know the truth of how bad and of a shape I was in can go watch my YouTube video and see it. But um, let me tell you, Shante, I was in a pit, okay? I was in a hole, all right? And when you're in a hole, they say, stop digging. <laughs> it sounds like common sense, but when you're in a hole, stop digging. And so what C-Shift and Sustain is all about is I saw what put me down in this hole and I seen, I had to start looking inside of myself. I had to start looking inside of myself and I had to realize that no one got me here except myself. Okay. So seeing is all about uh, realizing, okay. You realize the place that you're in, that you're not happy with. Um, of course, somebody's knocking at the door, um, but you're not happy with. And so you see where you got yourself and that's when you start to realize and you start to look intrinsically of what type of person you, you have got yourself to be. Hey, how you doing? So, so once you see where you are in life, then you can start to realize on what you need to do to change it. Okay. So, so that's where C is. That's the first S. Then once you see where you are, you have to shift. Okay. Shifting is redirecting where you want to go in life. Okay. So this is where you sit down and you formulate your game plan on, okay, I see that I'm not in the place I want to be at. I know that I got to switch my directions here, but where do I want to go? And then you, you sit down, get real with yourself, and you set a vision of where you want to end up. And then that's where what sets your direction to go towards it. And then once you have your vision of where you want to end up, now you just have to sit down and, and Ask yourself, what is the, the things that I must do every day to get to where I want to be? So whether that's um, wake up every morning and work out because I want to lose weight, whether that's, uh, you know, I, I want to get $10,000 so I can buy something. So I'm going to do Uber driving for the next five years. But in order to do the Uber driving, I got to wake up extra early and do it before I go to work, like whatever Whatever that is that you have to do, that's all found out in the shifting, okay? And then once you have that plotted out, the last one is just sustain. So, so you got to set your vision, set your goal, set your direction. And then in that same direction, you have to sustain that over time. That's the main factor is, is people that when you start on this journey, you can't quit. You know, you can't lose focus of where you're trying to go. So those are the three models to actual change. And this is what I tell every young person that comes to me that's in trouble. I tell them the same exact thing. You have to sit down, realize you did this yourself. You have to sit down, plot your vision and your direction. And I tell them, if you stay in the same direction over time and you sustain it, then you will be in a new destination. All right. So um, that's the model of change. Well, speaking of youth, um, one of the things I saw about you at one point in time, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, that you actually spoke at a school board meeting. And I also know you have the Lafayette Legacy Courts um, which for youth. So tell me a little bit about your involvement in the community, um, maybe a little bit about that school board meeting that you were passionate about. And you were also on the news after that school board meeting, too. Uh, I remember I saw that I saw that news clip, too. Um, can you tell a little bit about like your uh, uh, involvement in the community? What like drove you to kind of get involved in that education um, issue? 
And then a, a little bit about um, Lafayette Legacy Course and like your passion for youth, because you're also a father to three wonderful children. Uh, so you tell us about that. <laughs> yes. So, so Shantae, what's crazy is that that on on the news is what happened is um, kids in Harrison High School, um, a lot of racial racial slurs were happening and the teachers were not doing anything about it. Like they almost thought it was laughable. Like, oh, Johnny can say that. Oh, he just says that. And they were like, hey, you can't just say the N word. You can't just say, you know, these racial jokes. Like this is not okay with me. This is not something we just laugh off. And so um, I remember being in Harrison and going through these same issues. So when they called me and was like, hey, this is, and I happen to know the children and different things, this is what's happened. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to talk about this because I graduated from Harrison. I remember the racial slurs. I remember um, the racial jokes. I remember nothing was done about it then. And I was so perplexed, Shantae, that I graduated in the year 2000, right? And here we are in like 2019, I think is when, when it happened. And they're still saying the same things that I went through. And it's 20 years later. I'm like, mm. like, how is this possible? Like, and so, so yeah, so uh, I went with the youth and, and we, we had a campaign called uh, Stop the Hate. And um, we, we told them what hate looks like and um, they were receptive. I think some, some things changed and was very happy um, to, to be a part of that. But, but, but yeah, my, my involvement in youth is, is huge. Uh, you, you could tell by my personality even on here, <clears throat> I like to have fun. And even when we were at the youth ministry, uh, Shantae, uh, one thing about the youth is, <sighs> I love them because there's no, there's no ulterior motives, right? I think mm -hmm. as people get older, they get harder and they start to devise things to get things to go their way. When youth, as long as you're honest with them, um, they're honest with you. And, and so that's the number one reason why I love the youth. And number two is, I want to give back like like here I am 39 about to be 40 and I just look back that if I would have had someone telling me um, these things of success at a young age I just asked myself how how much further would I have been so so I want to be able to talk to those you know young teenagers um, the preteens and and try to encourage them um, so that their potential can be realized. So, so yeah, so I love the youth. Um, you mentioned Legacy Courts. Um, we, we bought this 40,000 square foot gymnasium here in Lafayette, um, me and four other partners. And uh, Shantae, I, I'm gonna be happy to tell you that our uh, purpose at Legacy Courts is creating great individuals on and off the court. Mm. Does that make sense to you? It does, because it's like in the education sector, we talk about how kids should be student athletes. And we talk about it's more than just athletics. It's your academics. It's your character. And many times I think sports are good for children because it does build up that tenacity. It builds up teamwork. What do you do when you lose a game? Like exactly. throwing something across the room is not because you're going to have losses in life. And so because kids, like you said, they are so transparent. If you're 100 percent with kids, kids will tell you unfiltered what they think, how they feel. And then it's our job to kind of help them to be like, OK, yeah, you did lost and you're mad. I'm mad, too, that we lost. But we can't go throw chairs. We can't go curse out somebody. Let's talk about this character piece. And yeah. so I think athletics are a great opportunity to build up a kid's character and help them learn how to work with other people. Because when you're all working towards a goal of winning the game or getting better at a skill, you learn how, like, it's not just about me. 
if my teammates struggling and I got the skills to help this teammate, I got to help them so we can meet this destination. So, yes, I, I do re- know that you love to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Dante, do- you are co- you are about to come and preach that to all of the kids at Legacy. I want to <laughs> everything you just said is the exact definition of creating great ath- great individuals on and off the court. Like, and, and I didn't say athletes. We, we took that out intentionally because not all the kids that come to play are athletes. They, sure. they, they just, they want to be involved in something, but they really don't care too much about basketball, but they learn these amazing, amazing attributes of life that transcends into business, family, everything. And what you said, listen, Shantae, you win gracefully and you lose gracefully. Mm-hmm. Teaching that in characters of young children, now they have the stability. They try to go out and start a business. They fail at it. They don't just start kicking and throwing and throw a temper tantrum. They say, okay, what do I learn from this? You know, when right. you lose, when you lose, you learn. Right. You lose, you learn. And that's what we teach. So. So, yes. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's my thing with Legacy Courts. When they approached me saying, hey, they're selling this place. Would you like to do it? And I had young kids that were playing there. I said, man, of course, of course, this is this is right up our alley. So. So, yeah. So that's my passion with the youth is is to really give them something of substance that they can build upon um, at a young age. No, and I also like what you said about the athletic because I am not an athletic person. But I think the other part that we forget is like, even so it's not an athletic person, just having that physical activity, yeah. everybody needs that. That's Y'all cool. can, most of us can walk straight in a line or run sport yeah. and yeah, that yeah. without any, because I had horrible eye-hand coordination, throwing yeah. the ball. Not, all that's not my ministry at all. <laughs> but I can run and jog and, and take care of my physical health because I think sometimes we have gym, we have recess in school, but we really don't talk to kids about like, you need to take care of your physical health because as you get older, that metabolism slows down and what you was eating when you was a kid and you're not exercising and moving your body, uh, that weight's going to stay with you, kids. So um, getting that kind of skills into them younger on top of like just the character building how to manage your emotions because when you think about it, kids learn what they see grownups do. And so if at home, um, a, a grown-up or a caregiver is not managing their emotions, that's how it may manifest in the child. And so them getting multiple opportunities to be around other people who are like, look, or being real, because I would tell kids, uh, I had a principal say, well, how is it that when kids get into fights, they talk to you and they tend not to get in fights? Because I said, I, I told them I used to get in fights. And I told them about what, how that I told him, yeah, I felt good. I wanted to fight. It was great. But then you have to work twice as hard to build back up your reputation again. And so when I talk to kids about that and all the consequences that came from that, they're like, you're the first person that just wasn't like, don't fight. You actually talked to me about like, I screwed up. (laughs) This is what happened to me. Uh, And then validate the fact that, yeah, I understand why you were mad. Because, man, you feel good when you in that fight. But that fight's like, a few minutes long, but you had to deal with the consequences more than that few minutes. And is that few minutes of fun fighting somebody worth this all these months, all these years potentially to build back up your reputation as a upstanding person or citizen? So um, you are so right. Like with kids, you keep it 100 with them. They will respect you. They will come to you. They'll be transparent with you because I think a lot of times when you become an adult, we start playing games. We start being fake. We don't start being real. And kids are not like that. They haven't been in the world long enough to make a fake personality or try to be phony. They're just trying to figure out who they are. Uh, So if a kid can learn from my mistakes and mess up and avoid those mistakes, I'm more than happy just to be transparent and be like, yeah, Mrs. Barnes, but not an angel. Maybe you think I'm just some boring person that's reading Shakespeare somewhere. But I I had a little little something going on back back in the day that I'm trying to repent from and not go back to. That is so funny. No, I, and, and I love what you said. You're relating to them. If you relate to a kid, and I think that's why we have success in, in dealing with kids is because, you know, there's an old adage that said, seek first to be, to understand and then to be understood. So we go to kids and be like, you know, you need to understand me. And, and so you're seeking to be understood. But 
you first need to let them know that you understand them, right? Yeah. We understand, I understand why you hit them in the face. Like, yeah, some days you feel that way, but yep. what keeps you from doing that are these things and think about these things. And so once you understand them, then they will allow you to, to, to be understood. So it's, no, that's pretty good. I, I love to hear that, Shante. I didn't know you was a fighter. See, I, I, I learned something new today. <laughs> Look, I'll I be trying. I should, by the time I got to Second Baptist, because I mean, I was fighting at church even, even before I came and met you at, at, at Purdue. So like I, school, church, vacation <laughs> Bible school, after church, during church, hot mess, hot flaming mess. So I tell kids like, I, shoot, I tell kids like, I understand that whole getting angry. And then when you fight, you get a reputation of fighting. So mm -hmm. then people gold you into trying to fight them. And so I said, don't start fighting because it's so much harder to get out of that. And then you don't deal with what actually made you angry. Why, why are you allowing someone to trigger you? <laughs> because right. So I had to learn how to figure out what were my triggers, how to manage my triggers without throwing a punch. <laughs> And, that, and that's like a hard thing to do. So I, I'm really real with kids to be like, if, if people said something about my height, because I'm a short person, as you know, that, that would trigger me. If someone would say things like, uh, oh, you speak like a white girl. Oh, you want to be white. That mm. would trigger me and make me upset. Oh, you just want to be a nerd. You, you're not cool. Your parents don't let you do anything. You're just a little nerd. That, that, so it would be all these little things that would just trigger me. And then because people heard, if you say this to Shantae, she's going to swing, then they're saying the things again. So mm -hmm. it's like, these are the things I had to be like, no, this is not worth it. It's just, it just isn't. So by the time you met me <laughs> when I went uh, <laughs> to uh, to Purdue, uh, there, well, I did get in a fight one time while I was at Purdue. Oh, <laughs> but, my goodness. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but after that, <laughs> that, that was a... Yeah, after that, like early 20s, I was done. So I, yeah. I have not been throwing blows or laying hands or catching hands. <laughs> Just been trying to live a peaceful, non-violent life in existence. But Amen. I'm really real with kids about that because a lot of times you saying to a kid, don't do something is not coaching them on how not to do it. Mm -hmm. And telling someone to stop something without relating to them like I understand and here's how you can stop and here are the things you can think about before you get into the situation helps so uh, when I work with kids uh, I, I'm just really real so there's a lot of kids that like what I just told you kids there's kids around Indiana know these stories because I have talked to these children and a lot of them have gotten back on the right path and have rebuilt their reputation they have avoid going back to our turn to school again they stayed on the right path and they were able to actually graduate and walk with their class and for me that's the things that keep me going is like man i screwed up but at least i helped these kids and hopefully i told them what you learned from me and the, the things that you got yourself into be an example to other people so you see someone else going on the same path you yeah. share what I share with you, share your experience with them, and then we can just, you know, you, we can just keep this going um, to help uh, each other. But so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Learn new stuff about me every day, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't know about that fight at Purdue. I, I didn't know about that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Made it over. That's what it's about. Making it yeah, see, I was trying. I was trying to live right back then. I was trying, trying huh, real hard to to live right. So thinking about you know us, we talked a little bit about us being role models and helping kids. Who are some people that are role models to you in your life that feed into you and help you uh, move forward that you may want to lift up uh, today? Oh man, so role models. I would first um, start with my parents. Um, so my parents have been married probably like 40 years or something crazy like that. And so I learned at a young age on how to uh, handle relationships because my dad was more of the calm, cool, collective one. My mom was a little more of the firecracker one. And so I learned how the dynamics of those relationships worked and to stay loving each other. So they're definitely my role models because you know, God gives you a family and uh, through the family is 
the reason why we work so hard when you talk about entrepreneurs why do we work so hard it's it's to to be a blessing to others so that their families can be blessed so your family can be blessed so it's always about blessing family so they're my number one role models as far as uh starting my small family right um as far as business goes i would probably first give honor to some books that i've read um at, at, in my beginning remember i was just cleaning cars and so uh, i didn't know where to start i didn't know how to find a good role model right and so i just started reading books um and i'll just name some of the books that i read that really transformed my life um number one was rich dad poor dad um i read that and i learned that uh i need to focus on assets instead of liabilities um then i read his second book called the four quadrants this this is uh robert kawasaki so so that was a big mentor for me um then i read something called uh the richest man in babylon this book transformed the way i handle finances um as i started growing and becoming greater um as far as uh leading different people and running companies so the richest man in babylon um i did uh Gary Keller, the one book. So Gary Keller is the, the, the real estate mogul that founded Keller Williams. So that book was uh, very big to me. And probably the most recent book that I've been going through recently is something called Scaling Up. So we have this huge vision uh, at Premier to grow to 50 companies. Um, we have two now. We got a third one. We want to start in Avon here soon. So uh, it's called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. So those those are all the books that gave me the wisdom to go forward in business. But I have two uh, I have two um, mentors. Uh, number one is is Mike Razor. He's the guy that owned all of those dealerships that came to me and said, "Hey, what what are you doing?" And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. And because he's seen, you know, I'm just back there cleaning the cars, but I had these great dreams and aspirations and he gave me a shot. So he will forever uh, be, I, I call him my father in business. Now, he just passed away last month. Um, he just passed away last month, um, which was hard. But but everything that he's deposited in me, I keep, you know, near and dear to my heart. And then I have one more other business mentor. That's my current business mentor now. His name is Rex Gingrich. Um, he also owns different dealerships and different things and is huge in the community, a strong believer in Christ. And um, he's my current mentor. So I call him when things are hard. And uh, he kind of helps me walk through serious, serious issues, uh, which is nice because he gives me uh, a godly perspective too. Like we talk about the Bible and what, how God views things and business and how God views this business. So he's my, my business mentor currently. And um, Shantae, I want to say when you ask me about mentors for all that are listening and all that listen for the future, success leaves tracks. So all of us in Indiana, we have snow here. And when you go through snow, if it's two foot high, you notice, Shantae, instead of you trying to forge your own path in the snow, what do we do? Well, the tracks are already there. <laughs> Hop in the tracks that are already there and your car flows so much smoother in the tracks that are already laid. So um, having a mentor is huge because the things that Mike Razor taught me on how to view perspectives of life in business, I use still to this day. And because he laid those tracks for me, I just follow him. And if you follow someone that's laid the tracks, you'll end up pretty much at the same destination that they got to. So, so a mentor is huge. No, I appreciate the two things you said um, about having a mentor um, because I have mentors, I have education consultant mentors that help me and who are, do and also your mentor should be someone who is successful. Like they're, they're doing the thing well, don't just get some 
person off the street. And then also reading. Uh, entrepreneurship is not sitting at home sipping lemonade. There's like work around like this whole entire week. I have probably worked past midnight doing something for a contract. Um, Jessica and I was I just came back from Michigan this week. Um, I was at Kings Island all day, 630 a.m. at the morning yesterday, came back at 630 p.m. yesterday. So I've been in and out. And when I came back, my power went out for three hours, like 10 minutes after we got home. And then I left to go to the library to sit in the parking lot because I had to to work. <laughs> so like I so that was like around what nine something. I am driving out to go to the library parking lot to get on the Wi-Fi because I had tasks I need to get done. I knew I was getting emails and texts and things during that day. And I had to respond to it because you you like you said earlier in this episode, you have to put in more work than where you're currently at to get to that next step. So I'm trying to be super responsive to clients, making sure I'm um, providing high quality products. So then they will be like, hey, I'm working with Educator Bars. I'm working with Blazing Brilliance. Uh, you should check check her out uh, because every single interaction uh, matters. So I really appreciate that. And I know we're coming to a close um, here what legacy do you hope that you are uh, leaving uh, your three children? <laughs> oh, what a great question. So, you know. Oh, tell them about the names and all the T's. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, so, so I come from a family. Um, my, my family uh, is all D's. Okay. So my mom and dad is Daryl and Deborah. And then you got uh, Daryl Jr., me, I'm Dante, and then it was Danielle, and then it was Dion, and then we had a dog named D, right? So we were all these. So then when we started this family, uh, my wife's name is Tisha, and Tisha, um, and I'm Dante, so we were like D's and T's, but then everyone calls me Tay, all right? Mm -hmm. So A and Tisha, so everyone said Tay and Tisha, Tay and Tisha. So I was like, okay, so we could do the T thing, you know, Tay and Tisha. So uh, we got Tay, Tisha, we got Trinity, as our oldest, uh, she's 13, about to be 14. Um, so you got Trinity, you got Titus, is, is, uh, he just turned 11 um, last month. So you got Titus and then you got Truett that just turned five this month. And so then we have a dog, his dog is named, it's not T, it's Tito. Tito. <laughs> We're all T's. My other, my 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 family was all D's. Um, so yeah. So that's. But what was the question you asked me? Uh, what legacy would you like to leave oh, all the people with the T's name? <laughs> Great question. So, um, the legacy I would like to leave is, and right now I'm in a a thing called Truth at Work. Okay, this is a roundtable of believers that own businesses. Um, and we sit down for four hours a month and we go over where we're at in our business and how we incorporate God in our business. And it's really, really good group. But they have tasked me with the job of writing out my obituary. OK, so this is the same kind of lines, legacy, your obituary. They want me. I'm 39 years old. I don't plan on passing away for another 50 years, right? And they want me to write it out so that I have a staple of what I want to leave behind. Now, I haven't done it yet, but I can tell you the legacy that I want to live, leave is one of love, truth. Um, I, want, I want my kids to know the amount of peace that was dwelling inside the home, um, you know, the gentleness that I've, I've handled with people. You know, we have 40 employees at Premier now, and they all should be saying that, you know, whenever we came to him with a problem, he handled us very gently. They, he didn't just treat us bad, um, you know, long suffering. These are all fruits. Like, I want people to know that even though they, were in the right spot in life at the time. I didn't just write them off. I, I, I took my time with them to try to help them come along and I was long suffering with them. Um, but yeah, these are, uh, and then faith, 
faith. I mean, I, I really want to leave with them uh, when they ask, you know, why he did everything he did. They should be able to speak of my faith that I have in the Lord. And, and you know, and with that, I'll tell you the honest to God truth. This is summary of all everything. When I told you guys a story that I seen people hurting and I seen people hurting and I wanted to do something about it. There's a scripture that came to me that I read and it's Ephesians 4.28. And this is my, my motto in life. It says, let him that stole steal no more. Okay, so I used to steal. So let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands so that he might be able to give to those that are in need. That verse transformed my life and everything that I do is I work extremely hard so that I may have to give to others that are in need. So um, that's the legacy I wanna live, leave. Like my kids should say, yes, he lived that. Well, I appreciate that. And I will say writing your obituary is a good exercise. It was probably like over 10 years ago, I worked with a group of kids in the summer. It was like mostly black boys. And we had, I had them write their obituary. Mm -hmm. because Many of them were on the track. They had already been on probation, already had other things. And they were like middle school students. And so I said, if you die tomorrow, and they all knew kids who had got killed. So I'm like, if you die tomorrow, what is your legacy? And so I had them write this and I'm telling you, they were mad, but they had to finish. And they also were all on the track to potentially not go back to the school they were at the next school year. And successfully completing summer school was one of the things that they had to do. So I'm like, if you choose not to do this assignment, I'm not going to mark you as a pass. So they, and I say, you have to take it seriously. You can't just write one sentence, you have to take it seriously. And I know later on, um, a couple of the kids I spoke to, they said that activity transformed their thinking because they're like, what is somebody gonna say? Oh, he got some fights. He got D's enough in school. Is that what they're going to say at my funeral if I die tomorrow? Um, and then it was like, whoa, if I die tomorrow, that's it. That's all I left behind. Uh, so that and then one of the ending activities I did with the students is now write your new story. So I had them write a story about what they want their life to be um, for like the next 30 years. What do they want to accomplish? So they wrote like a new obituary. Um, so that was something I did with kids. And I also recently just worked on my obituary um, uh, just because I have like all my stuff um, in like uh, uh, my husband and I have in the trust and assets. So we did that whole living will thing. And one of the things I have been avoiding like the plague was doing that obituary piece because it's so morbid. You don't want to think about not being here. But I sat down and did it. And so I started having to write out my accomplishments and things. I was like, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But I'm like, man, there's so much more I want to do. So even taking that time to sit there and do it. So I know when you actually take the time and sit down and write this out, it will be transformative. It lets you see what you have done. And just like you, I plan to be here for a minute. So this is just activity to do. Um, but it's also uh, a thing that's done um, that I hope to revisit over time. Maybe every five or 10 years, I'll sit down and look at it again and revise it and kind of have that reflective uh workshop. So Dante, as always, it is great talking to you. I always enjoy uh, talking to you. And I'm so proud that I know know you and that you're doing um, such wonderful things. And I just think that this is just the beginning. To you, this may not seem like the beginning, but um, it was funny when my husband and I were struggling with infertility, you prayed over me and oh. you told me that yeah. you could see me having a kid. And uh, what's interesting about this, a lot of people prayed for me and Jermaine, but you were the only person that said that. Like you said, I can see it. And at that time, I was just like, I'm a Christian, go ahead and pray. But I couldn't see it. But you were the person that said, you could see it. So I'm saying to you today, I can see more for you than where you are now. And I feel like this is just, uh, just the beginning. So how can my viewers uh, connect with you after this show if they would like to connect with you and learn uh, more about you? Man, um, sorry, you just messed me up with that whole testimonial. I haven't, I didn't realize that. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking. And so thankful that he could use me in that time. Um, shoot, what was your question? 
you... It's okay. I wasn't trying to mess you up. I'm trying to try over here. Like, I'm, you know, I'm all messed up now. Uh, how um how can people connect well i got your stuff on the screen so if there's any other places you're at i'm outside of www.premierindiana.com or www.legacy-courts.com or your email at dwilburn at premierindiana.com or any other ways that people uh can connect with you oh yes uh so all of those are good but i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook and i'm on twitter so just look me up, just uh, Dante Wilburn. You can find me and would love to link with you. I got some amazing things coming down the pipeline. We have a lot of business opportunities at Premier coming because like we want to grow to 50 uh, different detail shops. So we have a lot of people that want to run those. So looking forward to people reaching out for those. Um, also, uh, we have something called TNT. It's called Truth and Testimonials. So um, we're looking for people to... Uh, send in some testimonials to us if they've ever been through anything and and God's brought them out of it. So I want to capture all of those stories and be able to present those to people. So so yeah, reach out if if uh, if or if you just need some kind of advice or wisdom and uh, motivation. I'm 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 here. So I'm here to serve. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your time uh, today. And uh, definitely, we'll be talking to you soon. <laughs> all right. Thanks.